hi! Welcome to An Absolute Gag. It's the podcast where I like to talk to people about the moments or performances that left them speechless. I'm Tommy Bowington, and it's the most average time of the year. (laughs) I'm recording this on Valentine's Day, which is uh, the worst day. (laughs) It is the worst day. Um, You know, it's fine. It's okay. I'm very happy for people in love and everything. It's like, you know, everybody is in these beautiful relationships, and I once upon a time sent nudes to a guy, and he completely ghosted me after he asked for them. So... (laughs) We're all on journeys. We're all on journeys, is what I'm saying. But hi! Oh, I'm so happy that you are here. Sorry, I was fetching with my microphone. I'm sorry if you can hear that. I'm so happy that you're here and that we're just, you know, doing... We're doing the thing, right? We're surviving. It is literally 17 feet of snow outside and uh i live in an igloo uh so we're you know we're making it (laughs) wow this is off to a great start right um but you know what i'm thrilled about let me tell you what i'm thrilled about i'm thrilled about the fact that my guest today oh i love him so so much he's so wonderful He's the former host of the podcast Nick and Caitlin's Talent Show. He's also an incredible actor in the city. I'm obsessed with him. He's hysterical. And I'm not just saying he's hysterical because we've been up for many of the same parts and he wins. Uh, and it's not because I'm trying to make myself feel better. It's He's genuinely funny. <laughs> <laughs> but no, he also is just, like, his voice is heavenly. Just butter. It is butter. He's he's just incredible. And I adore him so, so much. His name is Nick Drusbansky. And I'm so excited to talk about um, his topic with him, which ended up being, like, such a great conversation just about art and the state of art and where we're at right now and everything. And he's just, um, he's, he's an all-star. I just, I adore him so, so much. And so, uh, and he was like, I'm sorry that this conversation was kind of dark and stuff, but I was like, nah, this is, this is what I like. I like, I like the variety. I like that we can be silly, but then I also like that we can actually break down something. So, I'm very excited to have him on the show today and to share his interview with y'all today. But before we get into that, let's go to our charity focus of the week. Our charity focus of the week, brought to us by Nick Drusbansky, is the Getting Grown Collective. Getting Grown Collective works to equip Black and Brown communities in the Chicagoland area with tools required to develop self-sustaining knowledge by supporting community-driven agricultural projects, collaborating with food and environmental policymakers, activating multi-generational engagement with agriculture, and providing alternative access to health professionals and healthy lifestyle options. 
Uh, this is so fantastic. I had no clue that this existed, and so I'm so excited that Nick brought this to our attention. And I think I'm most excited because um, we talk about it in the um, in the episode, but Nick has started becoming his own, like, chef. And <laughs> it's really incredible. And um, he's started making his own food and selling it and everything like that. So it's, like, really exciting. But bringing a program like this and showcasing how important it is for just people to have access to, you know, um, community gardens and uh, the healthy foods that they need, the vegetables, the fruits, everything like that. Having access to that is such a small thing, but it's like a really important thing. Um, so this is really exciting. And uh, I love that uh, he brought this to me because I had, I had no clue this existed. So uh, I love this. This is so, so great. And again, it's like such a small thing as far as like having a communal garden. Like why, you know, you wouldn't even think about that being like kind of life changing, but it is to have access to uh, the veggies and the the greens and all of that stuff that they need to eat that I don't eat enough of. <laughs> Truly. Um, but this is so wonderful. So if you want to know more about the this organization, go to gettinggrowncollective.com. And they have all kinds of things up there that outlines the projects and the programs that they are working with, uh, the farms and the food. And they have a section called Farm Food Familias uh, that kind of breaks down like where they're located and what they mean and everything like that. Um, and you can learn more about them there. And there's also a way for you to get connected. So, uh, so you can look into donating through that. So it's my honor to shout out the Getting Grown Collective for our charity focus of the week. Okay. So we're hopping into the interview and I just wanted to give a little heads up that, um, there. <laughs> So there have been some uh, technical issues uh, for me this week that started. Um, my computer that I use is um, VV old, and I'm in the process of getting a new one. So I'm very excited about that. Um, but I'm but I have to wait for a little bit. So some of these interviews upcoming should be fun to see. <laughs> But we were just having some technical issues, some audio issues, but I think no matter what, the uh, content and what has gathered is really incredible. And so, you know, Nick is, Nick is such a, like, God, he's such a smart guy. <laughs> I just, like, I just listened to him just talk about art and everything, and I was so excited, and I just was like, man, I know smart people. <laughs> I have smart friends. <laughs> And I need them because I, um, I'm dumb, but, <laughs> but anyway, uh, so there's some moments where there will be some kind of like the audio might not be as strong or will drop out or something. There is a moment where he's solidly gone for like a while and I kind of, uh, <laughs> I kind of vamp. I'll keep some of that in. I won't keep all of it in, but I'll keep some of it in for y'all. 
Uh, the other thing, we are talking about a certain performance in a film that's actually out now. It's available on Amazon Prime, and uh, I highly recommend checking it out. Uh, you can see the title in the um, in the image. I don't like talking about the topic before we talk about it, but this is just how it has to be. And so there are some light spoilers the movie's not really, there's no real big twists in this film. It just kind of exists. It's a very small piece of life kind of film. So, like, there's no real big twists per se. So, I don't think we're spoiling anything, like, that you're just going to be like, oh, I wish I didn't know that. I think that you should go check out this film, and especially this performance in it, because it's really, really beautiful. Uh, but there's no, it's not like Promising Young Woman. You get what I'm saying? We're like the it, there's so much mystery behind that film and so obviously we wanted to say spoiler alert because of that so what i'll do is i'll just say right now a mild mild spoil alert uh and spoiler alert spoil alert i'm dumb uh <laughs> there's a very mild spoiler alert because we just talk about um you know, the general uh, plot of the film. And that's, that. I'll leave it at that. I think you should go check it out. It's free. It's on Amazon Prime. If you have the login, get in there, check it out, because it's such a good movie. Um, and it's a very slow film, and it's very, like, it's a slow burn, but it's worth it. Um, I just really enjoy it. Anyway, <laughs> enough of me babbling. Jesus Christ. Let's go on to my interview with Nick Drusbansky and his absolute gag. Welcome back to the pod. This is episode 25 and my, oh my, I am so excited for my guest today. He is an actor that you have seen on the stages of the Chicagoland area, including shows like Violet, which I adore, which is like one of my favorites. Rock of Ages. Oh my goodness. Uh, the High Fidelity. He was nominated for a Jeff Award for that. Listen, he's the best. And you want to talk a vocalist? Uh, we got a vocalist here right now. And now he's venturing out into being an entrepreneur. And it's so exciting. Please welcome to the pod, Nick Drusbanski! Oh my gosh, Thomas. <laughs> Thomas Jasmine Bullington. How, How dare you? you? Know? How da- <laughs> Thomas Jasmine Masters Bullington. Oh my gosh. Oh my god. <laughs> How Thank are you? you? I'm I'm good. I am so happy to be here. It is an absolute gag to be on the pod. Thank you so much. <laughs> of course. It is my pleasure to have you on the show because, you know, I'm a huge fan and we've we've podcasted before on your old podcast with Caitlin Sersa called Nick and Caitlin's Talent Show. Yes, very friend fun. Pod, friend of the pod. Friend of the pod. Friend <clears throat> of the pod. <laughs> oh, the full transparency. Y'all, Nick and I have been through a journey of setting up this episode. <laughs> 
I wasn't sure if we should say that I'm literally just crouched in my closet, leaning leaning forward, speak, speaking into my my laptop, because we spent about an hour trying to figure out my sound, and this was this was the best option for us. So, if this isn't starting off on the right foot, I don't know what it is. Okay. <laughs> so, do you, want, do you want to say it? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'll say it. So here we were talking about the journey that it has been to set up tonight. Uh, you know, my recording platform that I use it usually is pretty good, but then like some days it just acts wonky. And we were having some sound issues, and then we tried Zoom, and we were having issues there. <laughs> so then I'm talking on the podcast, and I'm like, yeah, we were having issues, and then my internet goes <laughs> It doesn't help that my laptop is literally 6,000 years old. My laptop is made out of granite and limestone. <laughs> I so. imagine... I imagine that inside your laptop is like a bird a la the Flintstones, and they're like, it's a living. <laughs> it's a living. <laughs> exactly. He gets overheated. You gotta take a break. I know. <laughs> I totally understand. Same with mine. Oh my goodness. Okay. Okay. Listen. Okay. <laughs> Tell me, how have you been? What have you been up to? Yeah. Um, I've been here i've been alive um things have been kind of crazy like you know it's been almost a year since we've been out of work as actors and Mm -hmm. um i tried you know the whole doing art from my home and making music and you know collaborating with people via zoom and all that stuff and and you know i think that was fun and it had its limits in terms of like viability um so like late last year i was just kind of sitting around doing nothing like going crazy and so i just decided just to like i had made a big batch of pierogi uh one night and so i just decided to like share it with the world and be like hey does anyone want some pierogi i I made some and i got (laughs) i should have known that um you know dumplings filled with potato and cheese would be um tempting to people because i got a much bigger response than i expected and so i just like i went out and i got like cute little baggies and ribbon and i made little signs and i just spent the day driving around delivering pierogi to people and that was like the most socializing i had done in a year (laughs) of just like you know some people came down and we chatted for a minute some people i just waved from their window some you know and i was just like this is (laughs) so much better than just sitting on my butt doing nothing so i decided to turn it into a little you know small business that Um, is incredible you're reverse trick-or-treating like you're (laughs) oh my gosh will you be my marketing director that's amazing (laughs) well listen i 
I've um so tomorrow the episode drops, but I had your former co-host on mm-hmm. on my podcast, and she uh her gag of the week is you and your pierogi. Are you and kidding so, me? <laughs> no, seriously. <laughs> oh my god. I, <laughs> and I Caitlin, made I'm going to oh my gosh. <laughs> I made a joke though that like only like only white people would think of like putting starch in like noodles. There's not a lot of options in the hills of Poland. You know, it's like boiled potato, mashed potato. It's it's like mashed potato ravioli is what I said. (laughs) If that's not my aesthetic as a human being. (laughs) Actually, actually, mashed potato ravioli is a good drag name. (laughs) Yes, welcome to the stage. Mashed potato ravioli. Oh, that's so funny. Speaking of drag, listen, I gotta get your thoughts and opinions. Have you been watching? Have you been watching season 13? Of course, course. I've been watching. Um, Yeah, it's actually been really fun this season um, because my brother, who is the person who got me into drag race, Mm -hmm. um, has moved in with me. He moved in with me at the beginning of the year. Um, So we're roomies and we get to watch. Every Friday night, uh, me, him, and my girlfriend, we do a little cocktail night where we like pick a theme and we make each make one cocktail based off that theme. We watch Drag Race and we've done we we turned it into a little like fantasy football game <laughs> where we've each drafted four drag queens oh and we've cr- created like a point system like. If your drag queen is in the top, they get points. If they're in the bottom, they lose points. If mm-hmm. they cry on the runway, they get points. <laughs> if they start drama in the workroom, they get points. It's like a whole rubric. And it's, oh. so there's this whole added layer this this season of of uh, my interest in drag race. Well, how is your how is your fantasy team doing? <laughs> <laughs> Leave it to a straight white guy to turn RuPaul's Drag Race into fantasy sports they're doing well i you know spoiler can we talk spoilers of drag race or oh yeah yeah. okay so so i did have tamisha on my team and i'm pretty gutted about that last episode it is so upsetting because she's like she was so great and i knew i had a feeling i was like they're focusing a lot on her at the beginning yeah definitely And, and so but i think a shoe in for All Stars. I love that. I mean, joke. even she knew it. She was like, yeah. "I'll see you on All Stars." <laughs> I'm gonna like, go home girl. and start getting ready. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you were you were confident. I mean, you know, the, my my brother and I were a little in disagreement on whether or not she should have like brought up the colostomy bag thing. Yeah, and you know, I, I thought it was definitely like an old school move to be like, "I'm not gonna bring it up. I'm I'm not gonna." let that be a hindrance yeah um but she's just so she's such a star she's so likable and she's like so she's just the epitome of like a class act like i just love like i did love well it's just that old school mentality of because she talked about it before she did it before where she was like you know well i you know i battled cancer and everything and like i couldn't even walk for a little while and stuff and then she kept on being like I'm not 
making excuses. And I was like, yeah. make excuses? Are you kidding? <laughs> if anyone ever on the history of Dragways <laughs> deserves to make excuses, it's you, girl. <laughs> Tamisha, Iman. <laughs> it's coming for you. <laughs> <laughs> it, is, it is nice in these later seasons to see some of these girls and be like, well, your life is going to change no matter what. Oh, like, yeah. Like, yeah. you know, I, I think a lot of people at first were um, irked by the lip syncing episode, the first episode. Mm-hmm. But now that we're like six episodes in, we've gotten so much more time with these earlier girls. Yeah. Where it's like Tamisha's third to leave, but she spent six episodes on the show. Yeah. And so we're like, you know, that much more invested in her story. So I, I'm I'm for it. I'm I'm glad that you know we got three whole episodes without an elimination. Yeah, I I enjoyed the format. It is long, uh, but I do what I did appreciate though, and I wish they kind of would just kind of drop the fourth wall and kind of like say this, which is those girls. This was filmed during the summer, this past summer during quarantine and stuff. Those girls don't have their gigs, like, or might right. not have their regular gigs and stuff. So some of those girls, that was their first time, like, lip syncing in front of humans in, like, months, you know? Yeah. And so I appreciated that they were like, I do kind of have this feeling that they were like, listen, they're going to go home to, like, nothing right now, you know? So, like, yeah. let's just keep them on for for a while. To, and you, like, could, you could even establish. feel that in the in the judging in the first couple episodes it was like yes michelle visage has never been this positive <laughs> like no <laughs> never <laughs> she, and she's like uh, yeah she's very sensitive this season like she's very kid glovey which is like fine i, you I know. think we need it you know i think we need yeah. it, like just some 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 lighthearted you yeah. know escapism Yes, but then Lalari had to come down in that bag. Oh my god! <laughs> and all the kindness went out the window. <laughs> oh man, I just love. I she makes me laugh because I was following her on Twitter and like, uh, she just was like, "Yes, it was the worst outfit that's ever." <laughs> she was so like, even call it an outfit is like a huge stretch. Because <laughs> it's not even like fabric, really. Like, no, and it, it barely—I mean, it—it it barely closed at the back. It was <laughs> insane. I mean, I—I I could go to Michaels right now and do a better job, <laughs> and I've never made a garment before in my life. <laughs> La la uh, Who—who do you have? Who do you have winning? Who's your queen? I. It, it might be cliche to say this, but I just is. Has there ever been a star like Simone on the show? Like I, I have no clue. She's I, so, I, she's, I, she feels very special. Like her yeah. point of view is just so cool. Yeah, every outfit makes me gasp when she comes out. Yes, um, everyone. So if not her, I would love Denali. I just yeah. you know got to rep the Chicago girls. Um. Those yeah, those are my top two. Yeah, I was yeah. listening to Marissa Lessman uh, tear apart Tina Burner on your Listen. podcast earlier today, <laughs> literally cackling to myself. 
<laughs> she also like she also said some other names that I was like, I'm gonna edit this out for your safety. I'm just like, <laughs> because I feel like somebody's gonna listen and be like, that's my favorite queen. <laughs> and she's just in trouble. No, uh oh yeah. She went off on Tina Burr. <laughs> it's so funny. And I do appreciate that she's like, maybe I hate them because they are me. <laughs> Marissa, if you're listening, you you're way classier than Tina Burner. Oh, you, absolutely. You don't look like Ronald McDonald. This I don't know why she thought this was going to be like it for her, like this little gimmick thing, but it is not. It's not working, girl. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, my my brother, he's he's he lived in New York for many years, and he said she's like an institution. In the oh yeah. Scene. So, you know, yeah. a lot a lot of those girls who come in who are like a big deal already kind of yeah. like I'm just going to show my thing, the thing that I'm known for, and I'm not really interested in, you know, showing any versatility. Yeah, it's more about just like showing my brand. I get that my audience. I get that. I do think that she came in with like this whole kind of. I don't know. She definitely has that air of somebody who's like, I know what I'm doing, and I'm, you know, I've been doing this forever, and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I'm, I don't think, you know, I don't have the, the vitriolic hatred <laughs> for her that Marissa has. I, you know, I think she's fine. <laughs> I, was, I was confused why she... Did she win this last week? No, did but she, she, was she was in, in the, the top? top. Yeah. Right, Olivia won. Um, yeah. yeah, I was confused why she was in the top compared yeah. to some of the other girls. Well, I was, I mean, I was shocked after that wig and that outfit that, like, <laughs> I was like, oh I was like, girl. <laughs> 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 but it's easier said than done, because guess what? Guess who's not in heels in a corset <laughs> right now? <laughs> Me. <laughs> Definitely not either of us. <laughs> oh, oh, Nicholas! I have a question for you. A Whatever very important question. Could you ask? <laughs> what is your absolute gag? Well, Thomas Jasmine Masters Bullington. Right now, I am absolutely gagging over the film *Sound of Metal*, particularly Riz Ahmed's performance. You understand me? I can't. I'm deaf. I'm deaf. Ah, uh, so something, something new, something like like current that you chose, and I love that. I, I love look. It. I must have a very easy gag reflex because I have like a whole list of things here that I. <laughs> That I wanted to, uh, that I was like considering talking about, but I just can't get this movie out of my head. Like, yeah, it really caught me off guard. And <laughs> like this, the podcast might take a turn for the somber and morose here because it's, okay. really <laughs> it's really a, a brutal film. But I, I, yeah, I just nothing has affected me like it in a very long time. 
Yeah. So I hadn't seen it. And then you um, suggested this. And so I was really excited because I was like, now it gives me an excuse that like I must watch. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had heard, you know, the, the talk about Riz Ahmed's performance and everything. And uh, I just, I want to hear from you. What is it about that specific performance that just leaves you speechless? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so I watched it um, late last year. Um, and I, I had heard that he was amazing in it, um, but I didn't really know what to expect. It was on Amazon Prime, and I, I'm, I've been a fan of his since I saw him in Nightcrawler, which is a film with uh, Jake Gyllenhaal. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was also in Rogue One. He was um, Bodhi something, the pilot. Um, Bodhi Watutu or something. Yeah, <laughs> like, that one, so. you know. <laughs> Bodhi Watutu. You know. Um, Star Wars. <laughs> Some Star Wars name. Uh, and he's just always been one of those guys that, um, I, I don't know, I gravitate towards. There's just something about his his performance style that, that I really connect with. Um, so I definitely wanted to watch this movie, but I didn't realize what I was getting myself into when I sat down and watched it, because it, it really is one of those perfect storm moments of a film that is talking about something um, that is affecting people by the masses right now. Yeah. Um, because it basically deals with what happens if you wake up one day and everything that you loved, you couldn't do anymore. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, for those who haven't seen it, de- I mean, definitely go watch it right now. Cause <laughs> we're going to get into it. Um, Pause and then go watch. And yes. Then come back. Come right back. <laughs> this is your homework. Um, but yeah, it's about a, a, a drummer in this uh, metal experimental band with his girlfriend, and he loses his hearing. Um, and the movie is about him dealing with the loss of his hearing and, mm-hmm. you know, his identity basically is, you know, this this life that he has. And I'm watching it as a person who woke up one day and, and my livelihood was gone. And, you know, yeah. theater... Uh, it has there's been no theater for the past year um at least here in chicago um yeah and it's it's a quiet movie in that there are there's no scene where he you know daniel day lewis is and just is like because it's my name because i you know (laughs) i drink your milkshake yeah like he 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 never goes off on this huge monologue about how how this is affecting him it's all very mm-hmm. internalized and and you you just see in his performance his fight and his drive to get back to the life that he had and the the realization that no matter what he's never going to get that life back yeah um and it's it's just a fun family comedy <laughs> I think it's just, I mean, first of all, I have to say out loud, thank you for making me look at Riz Ahmed for two hours. I really appreciate it because boy, I always oh take the... <laughs> you could just stare at his back playing the drums. Oh my god! <laughs> I was like, 
wild. It's like, oh my goodness. No, I, oh, I just, he's like, he's on my list. I'm just always like, but, um, also he's English. Didn't know that. Didn't know that. In an interview. Yeah, me neither. I had no idea. (laughs) But I think I love what you said about it is a very small performance and very nuanced. And like, it's all in the little details of what he does. Um, it's a, I, I like to call these performances committed performances, not the actors being committed, but they are making the audience or the viewers commit to watching the full thing. Oh my thing, gosh. You know? That is, yeah, that is so well said. Absolutely. Because he just like, <clears throat> I, he's so lucky. He has those, those movie star eyes that like, there's a thousand thoughts happening all at once in those mm-hmm. eyes. And it works so perfectly, especially for there are extended periods of this film that are in dead silence, and you just kind of watch yeah. him. And and as a movie that has come out in a time where you know movie theaters aren't accessible, to captivate so effectively to the point where I, I don't think I looked down at my phone once that entire movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because yeah, because like like you said, he it's so internalized that you're literally like glued to the screen, trying to you know read his face. The moment where he he wakes up and his he he loses his hearing like midday, and kind of does a does a performance that night because um, his hearing's not totally gone. And mm-hmm. then he wakes up the next morning and it's still not there. Yeah, that whole sequence where he's like just kind of going through his morning routine. He like takes a shower that that just feels so honest of like, you know, for me personally, like when I experience some adversity of any kind, my instinct is always to just like, keep going, keep going forward. Mm -hmm. Don't stop. Just like keep pushing and things will be okay. And you can totally see that. Like, it's going to be fine. It's going to come back. I'm just going to get in the shower and like move my jaw around. Yeah. You see, you see in his eyes, like, especially that shower moment, that's a great call out because he, like, he coughs to, like, see if he can, like, hear himself coughing. And, like, it's it's muffled and it's muted. And you kind of see in his eyes everything to not panic at that moment. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's and then he, he ends up, it cuts to him at a pharmacy and the doctor, the pharmacist is on the phone with the doctor and it's like, I, I, I rewatched it today just for this interview. And I mm-hmm. realized in my rewatch, I think he went to the pharmacy thinking he could just like pick up a drug yeah. or something to just like make it go. Like he's not even willing to accept the severity no. of his situation. And, and, and pretty much throughout the entire movie, he's, he's denying that he's going through this life altering thing. Yeah. I mean, fast forward <laughs> a little bit. There's this moment where a doctor tells him he says your hearing will never come back to the way it was and he's just like he doesn't accept it like he just kind of he keeps on going with the the band and also like just kind of like putting off the severity of this so so i'm also fascinated by i was surprised but also i think this is so layered but it's an addiction story too, because he yeah. is an addict who's been 
clean for four years. Is that what he says in the um yep. the group scene? And mm-hmm. but there are moments where he's talking about addiction that you're like, wait, is he talking about the drugs or his like life, his like art, his passion? Yeah. It's yeah. It, it's such a fascinating story because it, it's about addiction and it's also about um uh what's the word um when two people are like dependent on each other codependency codependency thank you yeah um because in that scene the gu- the guy asks him how long have you been clean he says four years and then he says how long have you and Lou been together and he says four years four years yeah and it really is like he's clinging on to this life that um, is keeping him afloat, you know? Yeah. And there's, there's just no way now that he can have this life. And it's the story of him, like slowly realizing that is insane. The scene where, so he, he goes to this, uh, deaf community that Mm -hmm. is specifically for, um, um, recovering addicts um, and inter- interviews with this guy, this actor, Paul Racy um, plays the, the leader of this community and he's incredible as well. Oh, <clears throat> incredible. God, he's so good. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I like, I've never seen him in anything before, Me but neither. he, I think he's the son of two deaf parents. Um, and so when he got this role, he was like, oh, I, I, there's no acting involved here. Like, this is, I know this guy to a, a deeper level than I can even say. Yeah. Um, but so he goes and interviews and decides he doesn't want to do that. But his girlfriend basically forces him into it. She leaves to fly home to Paris to live with her dad and, and basically forces his hand to go back. And that scene where she gets in a taxi and leaves and, and he says, you know, like, you're my heart. Don't, you know, like I can fix this. I literally, the first time I watched, I had to, I had to pause the movie. (laughs) It, it is, he is the, the beauty of his performance is that there's a constant simmer happening and he does these mo- he does have these moments of like explosion like but like in such a like real way and that's like one of those moments oh my gosh you know? yeah i had to stand up and walk around a little bit to like yeah. <laughs> to remind myself that i am watching a movie <laughs> cuz like know. the the way he res- the way he responds to his girlfriend leaving is like the exact way that i also respond to uh overwhelming things and when when i like you know, can't deal. It's like, it's, it's, it's not a loud thing. It's like a very, it's like he like pounds his chest cause he's having a hard yeah. time breathing. Yeah. Um, and it's just like, I've never seen someone display grief like that mm-hmm. where it's like happening all at once. Like he, he can't even process that this is happening and it's not a, it's not a, an outpouring of emotion. It's almost like he's, hyperventilating like everything is coming into him all yes. at once yeah and the, it's such a <clears throat> the beauty of it is that Lou Lou leaves him there because she's scared he's gonna relapse you know mm-hmm. and go back to the addiction 
And he doesn't want her to leave because he's scared he'll relapse and go back to his addiction, which is like so fascinating that they both (laughs) want the same thing, but they both think that there's different ways of getting that, you know? I just, yeah. Ugh. So good. (laughs) Sorry. I just, it's like, it's almost hard to even describe, like, in words, the beauty of this performance because it's just like, so much of it is just so is is in the silence and everything but um yeah. i also thought it was fascinating to hear one of my favorite scenes is when he has the first dinner with like all of them at that at that place and you hear from him his point of view first so like nothing and then it, the camera pulls out and it's like you can hear but the slaps and the like hits on the table that mm-hmm. they were doing when they were talking was so interesting because I was like, oh, that makes sense, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the the sound editing in this movie is so interesting because I coming into it knowing that it was going to be about a man losing his hearing, I was I was expecting them to to play with um, the loss of sound more. Yeah. But after watching it, I'm glad they didn't because I think it would have felt kind of gimmicky. Yeah. If, you know, they, they do, yeah, like you said, they do show moments from his perspective and, and what he's hearing. But they don't, they actually, I think, spend more time accentuating moments of hearing, yeah. of spending time just listening to someone breathe or a, a dinner table scene or whatever. And, and I actually noticed things sounds in this movie that i've never noticed in other movies same same like there were so many like noises and stuff that i was like i've never like it sounds like they have a microphone like right up to that moment or it's just like amplified by some cause yeah usually i think in, in films they they record background like ambient noise Mm -hmm. um and the the ambient noise in this movie is never just silence, never just like static. There's oh, it's there's so much life to the world around, and it it was interesting to me that that they chose to do that for this movie, um, yeah. and not just like play around with like oh, you can't hear nothing. Yeah, yeah. It's not like it's not a quiet place. Like that's not the- <laughs> exactly. It's not a quiet place. Risan Med fighting aliens. <laughs> yeah, I just I think it's like his his performance especially is just so like it's just so detailed. Like I don't know how actors do this. Like I because I I, I'm a you know, I'm a I'm a broad. Like I just am like, you know, bigger is better. <laughs> Oh my gosh. <laughs> Just two broads talking about the most subtle performance. <laughs> it like it definitely confuses like people like us who are like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like you haven't you haven't slipped on a banana peel this entire movie. I'm confused. <laughs> wait, you're not using a funny voice. I don't know. <laughs> that's not is that acting? 
<laughs> I definitely think, you know, there's a lot of talk about an Oscar nom for him, and I really hope so. I mean, like, well, what else is out? <laughs> like, I do love that about the Oscars this year, is that yeah, I mean, we're still talking, but, you know. I, I, I think... I used to be obsessed with award shows, and I think I'm trying to care less about them. Yeah. Because uh, they're disappointing, constantly. Yeah. Uh, um, and I think that, for me, this this will go down as one of the all-time great performances. Um, there are just so many moments that will stick with me forever. Like, um, the scene where he, he gets co- cochlear implants. Oh, yeah. Um, <clears throat> so like basically his his main motivation through the whole movie is to save up money so he can get this this procedure done mm-hmm. um to get cochlear implants so that he can hear again and you know it's like what they say like fifty thousand dollars or something insane like that so he sells everything yeah. he owns he goes he gets the procedure done um and the moment they turn on the implants we hear what he hears which is like this mechanical staticky uh, you know, unnatural sound yeah. that is allowing him to to make out what people are saying to him, um, and I, I don't know if you've ever seen those videos where, like, you know, someone films a person getting those implants in for the oh, first yes. time, like yes. a ba- a baby, a child getting here immediate for the first time. tears, <laughs> immediate tears. But also, th- those videos have built up this idea in my mind that they allow you to hear again. Like, yeah. they, you know, they allow you to hear fully. And for uh, Ruben, the, mm-hmm. char- the, you know, the character he plays, he can hear, but he still can't hear to the point where he can play music again. Yeah. Or, or go back to his life again. It's like, that is, it, it is such a like stunning little moment of disappointment. Yeah. And like the instant gratitude, the, instant gratification that he thought he was going to get is not registering with him. And you can see again, it's, it's all in the faces. Like he just, he does these, like he does these moments where he like points his ear while the lady's like working on the level Mm -hmm. and everything. And you can tell that he's just like, I'm not like, I, it's not working. So I have an interesting question to pose to you. Okay. Do you think do you think that no matter what, it wasn't going to work for him because like it was just never going to be what he had before, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I think the entire movie, he is, he is fighting a lost cause and it's just a slow burn realization. Um, I, I'm trying to remember my first watch if I if I bought into oh yeah he can get his life back yeah but I I don't think I did I think I was like you're just gonna have to accept it and like the the guy who runs the the, the hearing impaired community he the assignment that he gives Ruben is to just sit in a room yes. and just and just sit just be still. And if you can't be still, I'll give you a pen and paper. You write down whatever you want to write. Just write until you can't write anymore, and then be still again. Mm-hmm. Um, and and Ruben really struggles with that 
because he wants he wants to keep going. He has to keep moving. He has to keep going forward. Because yeah. if he looks back, he'll realize that he's lost everything. Yeah. Um, and and later when uh, Ruben gets the procedure done and uh, the guy has to tell him like you can't stay here anymore because this is a community. I mean, what a heartbreaking scene. It's incredible. <laughs> but he talks about the, the, you know, the assignment that he gave him, and he was like, did you ever really find stillness? Because yep. I think if, you've, if you were able to truly find a moment of stillness, that's the kingdom of God. Like, that is yeah. everything. And that made me think, like, have I ever really had oh. a moment of stillness? Have I ever... And like, nah, <laughs> nah, nah, I can tell you, honey, I'll tell you right now, <laughs> absolutely not for me. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. Like I can't, you know, I mean, I, I can't spend a single moment without thinking about what might, you know, mm-hmm. what's going on on Instagram or whatever. <laughs> um, so the fact that the the movie basically ends, I think, with him finding that moment of stillness. Yeah, I think is his realization that, like, you know, I I have to let go. I have to let go of all of this stuff that I thought I was. I thought was me. I thought it. My identity was that I am in this band and I am a drummer and yeah. I play music and all of this stuff. That doesn't define me. What defines me is is this this stillness this this is me this is my body and yeah i could cry right now just thinking about it it's so good and again it's like uh, every similar to promising young woman that you know marissa and i talked about a couple of episodes ago everything every kind of element of this film is really thought out the fact that he can't find stillness And the fact that he's a drummer, like, that is, I have, you know, I have worked in, like, band situations, like, I've sung for, like, bands and stuff where those drummers, and you talk to anybody who is a percussionist, they can't stop. Like, their knees are always bouncing. (laughs) Their knees are always bouncing. (laughs) They're always hitting their, like, thighs or something. They're just always going. And that's such a brilliant thing to do, is to make him a drummer and that's the like his struggle and the fact that he's because you see those kind of twitches and qualities and those are the same things too in addicts you know and like wow yeah oh my and, gosh so it's just like everything about this film like uh, the story and like this character is just like thought out to the very millisecond that i just love yeah, the, the, the director and writer of this film, I was watching an interview with him and, and Riz Ahmed today, and he said that, that he was making a documentary of <clears throat> this, this band that is similar to the, to the band in the movie, and they were called Jucifer, uh, was the band's name. <laughs> That's a fucking uh, And it was, <laughs> it's a really great name. Um... I literally keep a list of band names in my phone when I hear things. And I'm like, come check out my band, Jucifer. Um, but he was filming a documentary with his brother about this. It was a couple, and they're on the road. Um, and that's where he got the idea for this film from. Um, and you can really feel that, like, 
you know those movies that just they're so authentic in the way they portray mm-hmm. the the lives of, of whatever culture they're they're investigating because that, that's another thing i love about this movie is that the 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 characters in the film don't have the luxury of being like oh i i've lost my hearing i'm gonna go to a, a retreat and you know spend all this yeah. money and all the you know or i'm this huge famous rock star you know like yes I, i'm at the top of the world and then i come crashing down it's like no i'm just a recovering addict living this simple life in a van with my girlfriend i wake up at 5 30 every morning and i make her a shake yeah and and, and i work out shirtless and and the <laughs> audience goes hooray <laughs> Maybe that's just me, but hey. <laughs> it's part of it. It's definitely part of it. Like I, yeah, I love that that it it is interested in characters who literally have everything to lose. Yeah, um, because they have so little to begin with. Yeah, he also there's a really fascinating uh, physical journey with him too, because he's like, like his body like completely changes like halfway through the movie. Like I mean, he's always, like he's a thin dude, but like. He has, like, more bulk at the beginning, like, more muscle and stuff, but then, like, it is, like, withdrawal. Like, he's going through withdrawal, which is wild to think about because it's his hearing and it's his passion that he's going cold turkey from. And it's really taking an effect on his body. Of course, you, you would notice that part of it. <laughs> <laughs> I like, couldn't help myself. <laughs> you're like, oh, he's lost a little definition. <laughs> Hmm. His <laughs> arms don't look as solid as they did in the beginning. <laughs> but even like, even at the very end when he like has the shaved head and everything, and he looks, he looks fully clean. Like he's mm-hmm. got everything toxic out of his system, which is like, yeah. And and uh, his and Lou, his girlfriend as well. When yeah, when he goes to uh, France to see her. She looks amazing. <laughs> like yeah, she looks completely different human. <laughs> like, yeah. I like, yeah. I I did get lost. Can you help me kind of figure this out? What is the timeline of this film? Like how many how long does yeah. it take? Yeah, it is it is uh it, it, I think there's intentional ambiguity mm. in how much time it takes um because there is a, a point where he's staying with the community that it kind of jumps and he's like more fluent in sign language. Yeah. Um, but not completely fluent. Like he's still asking about certain words and stuff. Um, so yeah, it, de- it doesn't say specifically, but my guess watching it a second time through was like six to eight months. Yeah. Like not even a full year. I was, I was thinking that because I, you know, there were a lot of like holes that I was nervous that I'm not nervous, but I was like, is it going to go in this way or is something going to happen here? I thought for sure Lou was going to have a new partner. Like I thought for sure that she was going to be seeing somebody new and that was the case, but like she doesn't, she's, you know, or at least we don't know. Um, Well, I think the, the, the interesting choice that they made, the writers made for, for that relationship too, is like, yeah, it could have been he surprises her in, in France and she's got a guy and he has to move on. But instead they choose to let them 
decide together that they they need to move on from each other. Yeah. Um, what What does he say? It's okay. Is that what he? Or I get it. Or like he yeah. he says something in like dead silence. Like they're just looking at each other, and you can tell that he's like, "No, it's okay. You can leave me." Or like we can we can break right. up because it's not yeah. working. Uh, it's a movie. <laughs> I'm sorry I, I brought such a bummer onto this show. No, it's really it's, a beautiful film. It's so, like, <laughs> I love this. This is why, like, I mean, this is why I love doing this, is because everybody brings their own thing, and it brings out different emotions and stuff. But, like, for me, I was watching it, and I've, I it, like, hit me like a ton of bricks. I was like, oh, of course, this this registers right now because this is what we're all dealing with. And, and like in artistic communities that rely on an audience or, you know, people patronage to survive and stuff. Like, this is what we're doing. We woke up and it was done, you know? And it's, it really reaffirms in me the power of storytelling because it's, you know, it's not a one-to-one. It's not, I'm not having this person's exact experience and yet, I relate so hard to what he's going through that I yeah. feel I feel his emotions almost exactly. Um, and how beautiful that story of you know that that centers on people who are differently abled um, and celebrates those people. Yeah, um, can have that sort of universality that even though I'm I'm you know not hearing impaired. Yeah, I can absolutely understand what it's like to wake up one day and my the thing that I love, yeah, I can't do anymore. Yeah, I know it's you know it's a night it's a nightmare. Like you, it really is. The number of times that I have either said or been told to by someone else, it's a nightmare with a smile on my face. (laughs) This past year is just like. How are you doing? You know, it's just a living nightmare. Just cut everything. I'm just, you know, another day of suffering, but I'm oh well. <laughs> <laughs> No, I, I just, yeah, I think that I was kind of caught off guard that that, like, of course that relates to now, you know, and that, of course that relates to folks in our position where it's just like, yeah, and I, and I think. Passion? I think because it is a, a quiet movie, it's it's it hasn't really gotten as much attention as something like Promising Young Woman, which is like yeah, you know, deserves all of the conversation that is happening around it. It's an amazing film. Yeah. Um, but I do I do highly recommend Sound of Metal, and if you're an artist, like gird your loins because it's going to hit you hard. But yeah. I still think it's, it's it's such an important film to watch. Yeah, absolutely. I I couldn't agree more. It's on it's on Amazon Prime. So if you have an Amazon Prime login, just like just watch it. I do And if wanna... you don't just like message me, I'll give you my <laughs> login. <laughs> Screw Amazon, like who cares? I don't I don't want them to see my past orders. So I <laughs> They're like, why does fair, he need this? <laughs> fair enough. I wanna <laughs> touch back on um the gentleman you mentioned, the actor who plays the in yeah. charge of the, of what uh, was this? Barry? His name is Paul. 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 Ray- 
listeners, you should know that right now <laughs> somebody's internet went out again. And <laughs> and it's so frustrating to be so helpless right now. <laughs> oh sweet boy, where are you? So sweet Nick is Sweet Nick is currently trying to log back in. <laughs> what can I talk about? Um Where's Ahmed? Man, he's he's so hot. <laughs> this movie is beautiful. This movie is stunning and he's great in it, but like oh man, he's just He's so beautiful. And also, we didn't mention that he's in uh, Venom with Tom Hardy. <laughs> and is completely wasted. Not, like, drinking, but, like, his talents are completely wasted. <laughs> Him and Michelle Williams in Venom. <laughs> Gee, Michelle Williams did that movie as a favor to Tom Hardy. Isn't that funny? He was like, please do it. And she was like, I like you, sure. <laughs> she had no clue what she was signing up for. <laughs> um, Let's see here. Uh, you Obviously, you can't see it, but Armand is just chilling out behind me on my bed, looking very cute. <laughs> He's doing that thing where he's trying to stay awake, but he can't. He simply cannot stay awake. <laughs> oh my god, this is too funny. Damn funny. I'm fascinated by the use of the name Lou <laughs> in this film. For a second, I thought everyone was named Lou. Because the girlfriend is, and then they meet a dog named Lou. <laughs> and that's, that's something. Um, and his name is Ruben. So it's like Lou and Rue. Oh, wow. There's so much to this movie. <laughs> also, is Ruben a hot name? Like Ruben him. That's hot. The sandwich, not so hot. Well, I don't know. It depends on how you feel about Thousand Island dressing and sauerkraut. Oh. My my mom loves <laughs> my mom loves sauerkraut and she used to eat it straight out of the jar. Like a a fiend, like a true monster. And it would smell up our entire house. It would just stink up the entire house. And so I would, I would literally leave the house if she, <laughs> she has since told me that ever since I moved to Chicago, she has eaten sauerkraut numerous times <laughs> to which I say, good for you. Good for you, cookie. Eat that sauerkraut. <laughs> but is Ruben a hot name? Would I swipe right or left on a Ruben? 
again, <laughs> not the sandwich, a man named Reuben. And is he like a rube? You know, one of those old insults. Yeah, you rube. <laughs> I'm going insane. Y'all are listening to my meltdown. <laughs> Oh, oh, the lengths, the lengths we go to here at an absolute gag studios. (laughs) Maybe we should start ASMR. (laughs) Oh, I just knocked the thing. Okay. ASMR absolute gag. <laughs> I can't even. <laughs> uh, on today's podcast, uh, we've got um, Ira Glass. <laughs> Y'all know what NPR mouth is. It's where NPR hosts are like, uh, (laughs) uh, (laughs) here on Delicious Dish. That's not how NPR people are anymore. I, I've been listening to NPR for a long time now, and that's not how they talk anymore. They're like very, they're very hip. And with it, <laughs> I'm literally just entertaining myself right now. That's what's happening. <laughs> oh boy. Okay, so so the actor, Paul Racy, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> he did the dinner table scene, the the or the kitchen table scene, I guess, uh towards the middle or climax of the film. Uh he makes this face that just tells you like a thousand emotions when there's Riz Ahmed asks him for money, and the way this look that he gives is so heartbreaking. <laughs> you Truly. know the one I'm talking about? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> it's like my dad's like, I'm not mad, I'm just disappointed. It's like, yes! <laughs> it absolutely, it absolutely is disappointed dad energy. So, my question <clears throat> to you is. Riz Ahmed and Paul uh, Racy are doing some super amazing face acting mm-hmm. in that moment. Who are some of your other like face actors where they don't say anything, but like there's so much going on in their faces? Oh, what a beautiful question, <laughs> Thomas Jasmine <Thank> Bullington. 
<laughs> I death drop every time you say that. You know, <laughs> just shablam. You guys can't see, but he really does do it. <laughs> um, I think Lupita Nyong'o is one of those yes. where she really doesn't have to say a thing. Um, like in Us, like just playing two separate characters who are both so alive facially is she's incredible um the guy from moonlight um well both of them really the the have you seen moonlight oh oh yes (laughs) silly question um the final the final act where they're grown Mm-hmm. But both of those actors, but the the one who's the the line cook. Um, yes, I I can never remember his name. Like remember. I know Trevante Rhodes is the yes. other the other gentleman, but yeah, that guy who he's got he's he's I mean, a the, face actor. The <laughs> sexual tension in that scene is out the wazoo. He's just giving <laughs> the eyes like it's crazy. <laughs> I mean, I would be remiss without mentioning. Uh, Miss Merrill, of course. Obviously. (laughs) But my favorite thing is when she combines the face with that hand that comes up and she does up against her, you know, like she's like, you know, like she's really thinking about it. I'm about to destroy you. (laughs) (laughs) I'm really thinking about something. She just loves (laughs) that hand is wild. (laughs) That's so funny. (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah i just those those two that that is such an it's like yeah it is a heartbreaking moment too because the scene leading up to it is like he's like you know i support your decision yeah i hope this brings you happiness like he's he's obviously not saying what he wants to say which is i think you're making a huge mistake mm-hmm. but he's a he is allowing the moment to be you know we're gonna end on a on a positive note here and then he asks for money and he's like when he said that i i almost screamed at the the tv (laughs) screen because i was like no you stop it (laughs) because it was only to get back the rv so that he could get Lou back and they could just go back to their regular lives. And like that's what is like the most heartbreaking. And again, kind of like and you know, somebody who's struggles with an addiction, like going back to your old habits and the old things and that world and everything. Yeah, so. and he even he even says that. He's like, I don't know what you're feeling but to me this seems like addict behavior and yeah it's just yeah so and when riz is like no it's not about drive like i'm not i'm not i'm clean and stuff like that but he is tweaking like <laughs> like he's <clears throat> not clean it is oh, man. Ugh, the way that the way that he okay. is able to be so heartbreaking but also like he's defensive and he's you know like quick to dis- to dismiss people yeah like it's not it's not pretty he's not like gracefully going through all of this he no. is str- he's like struggling to accept reality and being you know s- s- de- defensive and and um sort of snippy at, at lieu at times and i i 
I think they do a great job of showing his humanity without being like, he's going to, you know, push her or be physical or any of these like easy go-to moves to show, you know, flaws in people. Yeah. No, he, they, he's a completely neutral human in that you, there would be people who would like do a film like this and like they're, protagonist is kind of just like a monster and you're like, well, I don't want to, I don't want to root for if this. this yeah, if this movie were made in the late nineties, it'd be like <laughs> Kevin Costner, just like throwing things against a wall. Oh yes, exactly. Or like, <laughs> like less than zero, like kind of like all of this, like <laughs> yeah. crazy drug stuff, Dude, but Nicholas Cage having a meltdown. <laughs> it would be Nicholas Cage. <laughs> it, tr- it would definitely be Nicholas Cage. I can't hear! hear. (laughs) 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 He starts doing the alphabet like he does in Vampire's Consumers. A, A, B, B. B. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I've come a long way. (laughs) But also, in the adverse, it's not even... It's not a, a cheerful you know, portrayal, and it's not a, like, he's not, like, a sad sack. It's just very neutral, right? Like, it's, like, very human, you know? Superhuman. He's just, yeah. like, so focused on on moving forward that he, he doesn't, he doesn't dwell in, like, yeah, like you said, like, feeling sorry for himself. It's just, he's so determined to get back to the life he had. Yeah. Um, and that's what's so sad about it is that we, as the audience, know that that he just there's no way it's going to happen. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, it, it's just a very fascinating journey that you go on. <laughs> so, is there anything else about this specific performance that you want to touch on or that you want to call out? Um, do we want to talk about his back muscles some more? I mean, um, always. <laughs> <laughs> I did see that he he trained for seven months. Uh, he took drum lessons and yeah. sign language. He spent like seven months preparing for this movie, and you really can tell; like it really shows. Yeah. Um, and uh, the drumming is incredible. Like he's yeah. he's a great drummer, and I was like, I I thought just until literally you just said this, I thought for sure, like, oh, he must have always known how to play the drums. Nope. Yeah, he he's a musician, like, he's a DJ, um, and yeah. he, he, he produces music, but he had never played the drums until preparing for this movie. Um, but it, it, always, it always helps, like, you know, when the, when the actor can also throw down musically. Yeah, um, especially for a performance like this, like you said, like the fact that he's a, a drummer is an intrinsically linked into the, the soul of this character. Yeah, yeah, he's definitely not like Tara Reid and Josie and the Pussycats, who is not playing the drums. Wait, Tara <laughs> Reid isn't actually playing the drums? <laughs> I know that will you shock you. <laughs> you can't just throw this information at me. <laughs> I just had to compare Sound of Metal to Josie and the Pussycats somehow. 
Mark your bingo cards, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> also, how cute were those goddamn kids that he was like, like in class with and stuff? Oh my gosh! <sighs> and that that teacher, the the actress who plays the the teacher of the class, she I I believe is is actually deaf, and oh. I think she just got cast as a Marvel superhero. <gasps> uh, uh. Give me give me ten seconds and I will I will verify this because the, I, I I don't want to be wrong about this. It's all right. It, internet is forever and whatnot. <laughs> Everyone's gonna be talking about that time that Nick accidentally said something that wasn't true. Okay, Lauren, <laughs> Lauren Ridloff. She's a Tony Award winner. What? Um, Look at that. She's from Chicago, Illinois. Everyone. Oh, I mean she. <laughs> This is my best friend here. Okay. <laughs> oh, wait. Uh, yeah, she's she's in the Eternals. Oh, oh, wow. She's one of the Eternals. Listen, the Eternals is ending up being like incredible because the director of that directed the film Nomadland, which is like getting rave reviews and yeah. <laughs> is getting all this award attention. Man, the Eternals. They're ready. That's gonna be. Uh, I can't wait for that. <laughs> I know it's gonna be this. This might be the last year that I decide to care about the Oscars, be, only because there's a possibility that it could be all female directing nominees. Yeah, that would be so exciting. Chloe Zhao, I believe, is her name. Yes. Yeah, and then uh, Emerald Fennell. Mm-hmm. Fennell. Yep. Um, you've got the director of this movie called First Cow. Um, yes. which is getting a lot of attention. Uh, Another like super quiet movie that's just really, really powerful. Yeah, I've heard. And, um, uh, of course, Regina King Regina for King, One Night in Miami. Would like, just be fantastic if it was just all ladies uh, nominated. I would love that. I would absolutely love that. Uh, fingers crossed. I will say, you bring up a really great point about awards and stuff, because like I am definitely... Like, I I love award shows, but uh, I do want to get on a soapbox here for a second and say, <laughs> say, I have to say this every year, the Golden Globes are shit, and everybody yeah. needs to stop acting like they are, like, legit. It's yeah. called an EGOT for a reason, not an EGOT. <laughs> <laughs> like, they don't care about it. I... I mean, yeah. the Grammys barely even deserve to be in the EGOT territory <laughs> because God knows they're terrible too. But like, I just, I know everybody's really upset with the, you know, and deservedly so, like the nominations and stuff, but also they bought those. Like, I don't True, know how 100%. else to like <laughs> tell people. I'm like, they bought them and it's stupid. Like, it's the, all, yeah. they're so I mean, dumb. The, the fact that, I may destroy you didn't get a single nomination and Hamilton gets nominated for best <laughs> comedy or musical. <laughs> oh, if I mean, there's nothing more to say. Like that's all you need to know about the golden Globes. Like they're always a joke. They're always yeah. a joke. And like, <laughs> yeah. I just, it just made me laugh because every year I feel like I'm, it's like groundhog day. I'm like, yeah, they do this. It's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> they're terrible <laughs> yeah but, I, yeah I, yeah we're, we're we're just so trained to like you know top 10 lists and 
accolades and, and trying to see if the thing that you liked is liked by everyone else. Yeah. I think but, I think that is something that is like very natural to us, which is like I need somebody to confirm that this is good, it, that I love this, that I like this thing, and like a a group of people agree with me, you know? <laughs> like, yeah, a hundred percent. The first thing I did when I saw Sound of Metal was look up all the top ten lists to see, you know, how many it was on. Yeah. When at the end of the day, like it affected me. It's going to stay with me forever. And that's really what matters. Yeah. No, I agree. You know what? That was, that was such poetry. That's a perfect here, way let me, to, you know what? Let oh. me help you off your soapbox here. Let me just help you down. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, easy, easy. <laughs> Two broads getting off a soapbox. <laughs> I love that. We just like, I don't even get off the box. Like I just almost take a step off and I just go, Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> somehow I'm on the soapbox now with you. You pulled me up somehow. Somehow there's a shark and we're in a tank of water. What has happened? <laughs> How'd this happen? Oh, <laughs> uh, well, Nick, let's go ahead and add the performance of Riz Ahmed in Sound of Metal into our book of guys. Metal Riz Ahmed's Lou singing. Oh my god, now I'm just gonna have visions of Riza Med back muscles like in my brain for the rest of the evening. So, Mm -hmm. God bless you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, to wrap things up, let's go ahead and go to our gags of the week. So, uh, my gag of the week. Wait, what is my gag of the week? <laughs> Would you like me to go first, Thomas? This is a first. <laughs> Nick, you should go so that I can think of mine. <laughs> okay. Can I give like? Can I give like a couple? Is that? Is that? Yes. No, okay. please. Um, I'm ready. In and of itself, on Hulu. That's it. That's my yeah. gag. Yeah. yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah, let's it. let's talk about this, please. That's my gag. Yes, go ahead. Ugh. You tell me. It's the kind of thing where, like, I really don't even want to say it. If, if for people who yeah. haven't seen it yet, like, I don't want to say anything about it because I want you to go in not knowing anything about it. Um, you can't describe it. Like, yeah. I can't. I, I can't think that, if like, I tried. It's it's a it's a filmed. Uh, version of a live performance uh and at the beginning of the show um it says like please turn your cell phone off for the duration of this performance and like that caught me off guard so much because like obviously obviously you should do that but because you're sitting at home watching it it it's like second nature to just have your cell phone on you they made Um, it like so important that you do that like it was like Turn it off. Yeah. Um, oh. So yeah, that uh, uh, another thing that fully broke me, and I was bawling by the end of it. 
Same. Um, and like, if you would have told me like before I watched <laughs> it that I was going to end up like, yes, had I had three glasses of wine, yeah, I did. But still, <laughs> like, I cried because it is it is so beautiful in so yeah. many moments. It's just oh, oh, it's so good. It's yeah. so good. Um, on on the vein of of one person shows on Netflix, there's something called Nate, a one man show. Yes, I haven't seen this, but I've heard of it. Yeah, it is. Um, it was a like festival show, like at, at the Edinburgh Fringe and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. That um, Amy Poehler produced the the filmed version, um, and it's incredible. It's it's this female actress who's dressed up in this like garish. Uh, douchey guy named Nate with a big mustache, and it's basically a show all about like boundaries, and um, it's very heavy in audience participation, um, and it's truly like shocking in a way that that I've never ever seen before. Um, so definitely watch those two. Th- if if you are desperate for a theatrical experience, watch yeah. those two things one hundred percent. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. I, uh, you said it. I mean, in and of itself, it's like, I, I couldn't even, I can't even, like, I just started texting, like, people and being like, are you, have you watched this? Like, do you, (laughs) because my roommate came by, like, he was about to head out and I was finishing up, like, my day job work and he, like, came by my door and he goes, uh, have you watched In and of Itself? And I was like, no. And he was like, just, just do it. Okay. Just like do it. And so then like I text him as soon as it was done. And I yeah. was like, I God, I, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, I'm so glad that uh, I didn't know anything going in. Cause like there, there was a point where I was like, is this even real? Was this even yeah. a show? Or is that like, it's, it's, you know, it's kind of a show about, truth and lies and what's real and what's not real and identity and stuff like that and there was a point where i was like is this whole thing itself just a lie like i can't i'm so wrapped up in it it's incredible oh that's so good yes both of those great recommendations i love it and you just (laughs) you said my gag that i didn't even know that was my gag i took the gag right out of your mouth you did (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, and thank God you did. Uh, <laughs> my safe word is Riz Ahmed. Uh, <laughs> Incredible. Oh, Nick, tell the people where they can find the Bare Naked Pole. Yeah, I mean, I guess listen to the previous episode of this podcast to hear all about it. <laughs> I'm going to have some words for Caitlin for this. I can't believe her. Um, yeah, I have a website now. It's uh, www.thebarenakedpole.com. Uh, pole, P-O-L-E. Mm-hmm. Um, the double entendre is intentional. Um, and I'm at the Bare Naked Pole on Instagram. Um, yeah, if you're in the Chicago area or suburbs, order my pierogi. They're delicious, and I'll deliver them right to your door. I also tonight just learned that pierogi is the plural form too um yeah uh people people say pierogies um those people are dead to me Um, (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> I'll just keep calling them mashed potato raviolis. <laughs> please, please, please. Oh, I, oh my gosh. I love this. Um, <laughs> Nick, thank you so, so much for being here. I so appreciate it. And thank you for being so just goddamn a saint with all of this. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I. I might be stuck in my closet forever now, um, but it was stuck worth it. <laughs> it was worth it to chat with you, Tommy. Oh, thank you, dear. Mwah, mwah. Mwah, mwah. And to everybody else, hey, keep on gagging. <laughs> <laughs> An Absolute Gag is produced and edited by me. Cover art provided by Grace Greenwood at 1310 Studios. Follow her on Instagram at 1310 underscore studios or visit their website at www1310 spelled out studios.com. Music provided by Vivera. Find them on Spotify and iTunes. Rate and subscribe to the podcast on all podcatcher apps, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Follow the pod on Instagram and Twitter at an Absolute Gag Pod. Thanks for listening. Now pump it, Queens.